0: welcome back to another edition of late hit i am your host tyler and joining me is my new permanent co-host jeremy jeremy how are we doing this week
1: doing great ready to talk That's... some football how are you
0: here i'm great i'm ready to talk some football as well you know this is uh getting towards the end of the season here it's kind of sad but you know at the same time i'm a big fan of the super bowl so it's kind of like a bittersweet thing here
1: yeah i mean i know you're excited about it but i didn't really uh I don't really look into it or didn't really know much about it, but the UFL or
0: oh, yeah, in the
1: spring, so I know you're stoked about that. but
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just a big fan of football in general. Anytime it's on, like I watch college, like during bowl season, like I'll watch all of them. Like even if it's just like some minor bowl between two no-name schools, I'll still watch it if football's on.
1: Yeah, I don't mind it. I just uh, – spring, you know, is my baseball time, so –
0: all right, yeah, I know you're a big Phillies fan. All right, well, let's dive into it. This week, we are going to go over some more coaching hires from around the league. A couple other teams have found their head coaches, and a bunch of other coordinators got hired. And we're going to discuss some more coaching news about who we thought should have been hired that wasn't. And then we're going to go over the first ever NFL game is going to be in Brazil for the 2024 season. We'll talk about the Pro Bowl games and what we thought of those. We'll go over who we think should win the year-end awards, and then we'll wrap up this week's episode by discussing the matchup for Super Bowl 58 and go over our predictions for that. So the first head coaching hire from around the league since we talked to you guys last week is the Seattle Seahawks are hiring Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald as their next head coach, and they're giving him a six-year deal to start out with. At 36 years old, he becomes the youngest head coach in the league. Now, I'm not really a big fan of giving a a guy that's never coached head coach in this league before a six year deal. I think this is one of the main reasons why we see guys getting fired. And then there's still guys that aren't even coaching with some teams anymore that are still getting paid because of this. And for a guy, like I said, who's never been a head coach in this league he has yet to prove himself. I mean, do you really think he'll be able to bring Seattle's defense back to the success that we saw with the Legion of boom, you know, five, 10 years ago? Uh, I don't know. It's going to be tough because
1: looking at the Seahawks defense this, this last this past season wasn't very good. They were thirtieth ranked defense in the NFL. Yep. Which is not very good. I mean you're you're two spots from being the worst defense in the league. So uh I mean it's it's tough because they do have a lot of rookies like you know, Witherspoon is a rookie cornerback, Whitaker's a rookie cornerback. Uh I mean other than you know, Bobby Wagner and, and potentially Devin Bush you know, those are like your only really big names defensively. So I don't know. I mean, if you can get these rookies to to play how, you know, Richard Sherman and, and a lot of those guys from that Legion of Boom team defensively. Uh maybe, but I just think right now there's a lot lack of talent in that Seahawks defense for him to come in and and automatically turn it into to what that defense was before.
0: Yeah, I mean, and he's got, like you said, Bobby Wagner's there, but I mean, he was really just brought in to kind of ignite this defense a little bit. I mean, obviously, his first trip around in Seattle before he went to the Rams was spectacular. I mean, he was probably, you could argue, he was one of the better linebackers in the league at that point. And then he went to the Los Angeles Rams for a little bit, uh, kind of declined slightly, and then came back to Seattle and really wasn't much to talk about. Now, he is 33 years old currently. So, In terms of football players, that's getting up there in age. I mean, we usually see mid-30s, most guys start retiring or start thinking about retirement. But like you said, yeah, this is a young defense. But on the same uh, foot, you know, Mike McDonald, he's had a pretty young defense in Baltimore there when he was the defensive coordinator and throughout the last couple of years. I mean, Kyle Hamilton's probably one of the better safeties in the league right now. You know, they've got pretty good linebackers. I mean, so if anybody's going to be able to turn this team around, especially on defense, I think Mike McDonald is probably going to be your guy. Now, whether or not giving him a six-year deal was a good idea, I don't know, because they've got a lot of questions to answer on offense. Is Geno Smith going to be your quarterback going into the future there? Um, Is Kenneth Walker III still going to be your star back there? I mean, you got DK Metcalf, um, you know, guys like that at receiver who are pretty solid. I mean, they've got a Pretty decent receiving core. Tyler Lockett's still there. Uh, you got Jackson Smith and Jigbo, who you just drafted out of Ohio State. But obviously, the main question mark is what do they do with that first round pick? Are they taking a quarterback? Some people are okay with Geno Smith staying there, starting. Other people want a new quarterback, want to get fresh legs in there to kind of run this offense. I don't know. I mean, Mike McDonald <laughs> hasn't really hired anybody on his staff yet, so it I guess it all depends. Who, who he brings in as, you know, offensive coordinator, maybe a quarterback's coach, just depending on that will determine whether or not Geno Smith is still going to be the guy there. So there's a lot of unanswered questions yet. I know he just got hired. I don't really think he's put together a staff yet, but I mean, I'm kind of interested to see who he brings over.
1: Yeah, I think he's, uh, I think the thing for him is he's a very defensive minded coach, just from being, you know, his whole career in defense. And, you know, I think it's – you're taking a big chance at him being a head coach for a six-year contract that's never had head coached before in his life. Right. Um, now, I know you'll still have Pete Carroll in the house, so maybe if, you know, potentially if you need something <laughs> to come down from him, you know, maybe some help there. But um, – and like you said, they're still searching for a staff. I did see that, you know, they were potentially looking at – uh Ryan Grubb from Washington University as offensive coordinator um so I don't know i guess it's you're gonna need a good offensive coordinator because with Mike McDonald being heavy defensively um you're gonna need somebody that can help you on the offensive side of things,
0: yeah, and i I don't know it's it's tough because this team this team has the potential to they were a playoff team last year. They hadn't really made too many wild changes, other than drafting Witherspoon and bringing Bobby Wagner back. But you, like you said, their defense declined since them for since then for some reason. Um, offensively, they really made no changes whatsoever, uh, other than drafting Smith and Jigba. But I mean, you already had guys like you know Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. So I mean, this team declined on offense and. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Geno Smith? Like, do you think he still should be the guy there? Do you think they should try and seek someone in the draft?
1: I think he's a game manager.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I don't have anything against Geno you know, Smith. I just don't think like I don't know. It's tough to say if he's going to be your franchise quarterback. For one, and for two, you know, Geno Smith. I mean, he's been very injury prone. So it's like, do you keep a guy like that around and? You know, do you want him as a backup, or do you want to potentially wait on possibly making a draft pick in the quarterback position and stay with Geno Smith, and then you, you kind of screw yourself out of that? And then, God forbid, then Mike McDonald's like, you know, got the worst offense in the league based off of you know maybe not making a draft pick there offensively.
0: Yeah, and they are going to be the number sixteen pick in the first round. So really, I mean, realistically all of the decent quarterbacks that are still going to be there, you know, probably will be gone by number 16. I mean, there's a lot of teams in the first top 10 overall picks that are going to probably be taking their franchise quarterbacks. So I don't really know who's still going to be there at 16. And if there's going to be a player there worth drafting, that will going to start over Geno Smith, maybe bring a guy in, second, third round, pick a guy up and maybe try to develop him under Geno Smith. But, I mean, this is going to be the first year with Mike McDonald as head coach with this staff. I mean, I think he'll get the benefit of the doubt in his first season. Um, but, I mean, your first year there, you definitely want to bring a quarterback in to develop long-term. Yeah,
1: and Seattle's never been a team that's like, oh, my God, they had one win this season. You know, Seattle yeah. is typically, you know, whoever's on that squad is is more than likely... You know, most of the time a five hundred team give or take every year. So it's like I don't I don't see like any super like downgrade by any means. Um, but I just don't know if they're gonna be that over the top team. Right. Um, but again, you know, and the thing is is with that division too that you're in you know that's a tough division with the Rams and the Forty ers I mean, Forty ers all day long. It's I mean, they're in the Super Bowl. You know that's that's right. that's a tough rival there. You know the Rams they playoffs. They're a tough team there. You know like, so that's a tough division. That's why I just think you know I don't, I don't see them making playoffs this year at least or or have any potential of being there. But I don't know. It's tough. You know, like you said being so late in the first round and what quarterback are you going to find? You know, you're going to have to try and find yourself a a Jordan love or, uh, or, or Brock Purdy, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be able to find one. I I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of good quarterback talent coming into this year's draft, but uh, there's a lot of teams looking for a quarterback. So I think a lot of that talent's going to get eaten up pretty quickly within the first 10 picks. I mean, you know, Chicago, they're ho- holding the number one overall pick from the Carolina Panthers, so do they take a quarterback? You know, they, I'm not sure they're f- totally sold on Justin Fields, and then you got the Commanders, who are the, you know, next pick after that. They're probably going to take a poor quarterback. The The Patriots are a top three pick. They definitely will probably take a quarterback. So, I mean, anybody you're thinking of at number 16 is probably already going to be gone, unless yeah. they trade up. You know, if they trade up their first-round pick, maybe even they could trade Geno Smith, to one of those teams that's looking for a quarterback, you know, Geno Smith and a first round pick or a second round pick might sweeten the deal in order for them to move up top 5 top 3 pick. So, who knows? I mean, this team they're they've got to trend up, you know, they're they're going to basically be in a rebuilding process. And then you know, that's pretty good to say after a season where you just won 8 9 games that you're going to be rebuilding, but you know, new coaching staff comes with new talent, new players and I think I'm really going to be interested to see where Mike McDonald and this Seattle Seahawks team goes in the draft this coming year.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest part with Mike McDonald is that defense in Seattle is going to look a whole lot different than what was in Baltimore. Yeah. So I I think you got to have an open mind going into Seattle, knowing that that defense isn't going to be anywhere close to what you had in Baltimore. So I don't know. It's tough. I don't know if I would sign him six years just because he's never been a head coach before, and you know he's heavily in the defensive side of, of of schemes and teams. So I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's a bad hire, but I don't know about six years. But hey, yeah, maybe they maybe they work out. Maybe they don't.
0: Yeah, we'll see. All right. So the next head coaching hire we're going to discuss is the Washington Commanders are hiring Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn as their next head coach. Now, to me, this one doesn't really make sense to me because, you know, you just fired Ron Rivera, who was a defensive coach. You hired another defensive coach. You know, you really, they need to develop the offense. You know, Sam Howell, if he's going to be your quarterback for the future, I mean, you really need a guy that's going to be able to come in and develop him. Or You know, they, like I said, they've got a top three pick. They could definitely possibly be drafting a quarterback with that top three pick. Who's going to develop this guy? I mean, Dan Quinn is not the guy. He's, like I said, he's a defensive minded guy. I mean, I don't necessarily think he's going to be able to bring a quarterback in and kind of help him in this offense. I mean, to me, this hire does not make sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to say I disagree with you, but I don't, I don't, as a head, Looking at it from a head coach standpoint, you know, when Dan Coom was in Atlanta, you know, they made it to the Super Bowl, obviously lost to New England, but we all know how that game went. You know, and then and then the the following year, you know, they lost to the Eagles, which the Eagles won the Super Bowl that year. So, you yeah. know, I think him his his time as a head coach, I think he was a great head coach. And then, you know, looking at how you said about the, the the quarterback position. Well, you know, they brought in Cliff's uh Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator. So if you would potentially get and I don't know, I, I was I seeing a thing saying about how they were talking about trying to trade up and, and get Caleb Williams. Yeah. And uh if they can get a guy like that with Cliff's uh Cliff Kingsbury there. As the offensive coordinator, I think you, could, you you have a good good squad there i mean i think dan Quinn is you know he has a good track record of being a head coach in atlanta for for five years um so I don't know i i think that's gonna be the 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 biggest deciding factor i think of of how dan Quinn's head coaching career with the commanders is gonna be based off of what they can get in the draft quarterback or what their plan is with quarterback position, whether it be from the draft or potentially trading or finding someone, free agent, whatever the case. Um, But that, I think, is going to be the biggest biggest part there.
0: Yeah, I don't think – I don't necessarily disagree with Dan Quinn being hired as a head coach. I disagree with him being hired in this situation where – because, like you said – And that's going to be our next topic is Cliff Kingsbury getting hired as the commander's offensive coordinator. But I don't know if I trust Cliff Kingsbury enough to develop a quarterback, because if I did, then we would have saw more production out of Kyler Murray when he was the head coach there with the Cardinals. So, and he was just a a offensive assistant last year with USC after he got fired from Arizona. And then before that he was the head coach at Texas tech, which they, they, Didn't do terrible, but I mean, he really didn't do anything there in order for him or in order for me to make me say, yeah, this guy should be coaching an NFL team. And then his first act of business when he got to the Cardinals was drafting Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick after they had just taken Josh Rosen in a top 10 pick the year before. So Cliff Kingsbury, I don't trust to develop a quarterback, whether that be Sam Howell, whether that be them um, taking Caleb Williams or another quarterback. And the rumor is now that they are planning on, if they can't get Caleb Williams, they are probably going to take Drake May, the quarterback from North Carolina. So either way, whether they get Williams or get Drake May, I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury enough in order for him to be able to develop this quarterback. I think this staff is probably going to be gone in a few years. If not, Cliff Kingsbury is going to lose his job. I don't know why you wouldn't have kept Eric Bieniemy, who is a way better offensive coordinator than Cliff Kingsbury. We saw that when he was with the Chiefs. Um so yeah, the Cliff Kingsbury hire doesn't really make sense to me and I don't know why he was such a hot commodity this offseason. I know the Raiders really wanted him and then he backed out of that deal with the Raiders and just to join the Commanders as the offensive coordinator. So, yeah, this this hire does not make sense to me.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to say because it's like you look at Cliff Cliff Kingsbury and it's like was it was it poor coaching or was it the stubbornness from uh Kyler Murray? you know, because we all know Kyler Murray's track record of of how stubborn he has been there in in Arizona. So I don't know. Is it Kyler Murray didn't didn't want the coaching or or didn't agree with the the coaching? Or is it actually Kingsbury that that can't can't give the proper coaching or to mold that quarterback for say?
0: Yeah, and I don't know what the exact (laughs) situation was. All I know is I heard they were expecting to hire him as the offensive coordinator there with the Raiders, and then all of a sudden it was Cliff Kingsbury's decision that he backed out of it um, and told them that he didn't want to be the coordinator there anymore and then ultimately yeah. went to Washington. But, I mean, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, yeah, the situation going into Washington is probably better because, like I said, you got a top three pick there, whereas the Raiders won, what was it, seven or eight games this year, so they're obviously further down on the draft board than the the commanders are. And their quarterback situation right now with the Raiders is kind of shitty because, I mean, you got Aiden O'Connell, you got Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, they really don't really have a quarterback that they're planning on moving forward with. So unless they trade up, too, to get a quarterback, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of quarterback-needy teams right now, especially in the top 10. So it's going to be hard for teams to find a quarterback that they really want because most of them are going to be gone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and with with Cliff Kingsbury leaving Arizona, I mean they didn't really they didn't really shine once he left either. So no. I don't I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, do you, do you blame him or or what? But on the other hand, too, you got to look at, you know, the amount of talent that's on that Washington Commanders offense is great, you know, with Jamison Crowder, Jahan Dotson, Antonio Gibson, McLaurin, you know, all those guys, they got Pringle now, Brian Robinson, you know, they have a lot of names there. It's just, they're missing that quarterback. Yeah. So if they, if they can get that quarterback and, you know, mold him or, or teach him the proper ways or, or or become a great quarterback, I think they could have a good offense. I mean, their defense and I, I, I kind of want to say that's why they hired Dan Quinn because if they can get that quarterback, you know, I think that offense is pretty well off set off, you know. And uh so I think they hired Dan Quinn because they wanted that knowledge for the defense because their the, the Commanders defense is what really struggled. So, I don't know. I I think that potentially why they hired Dan Quinn as a head coach to maybe kind of mold the defense better. And then Cliff Kingsbury, if he can find a quarterback, they got that offense set.
0: Yeah, but like if they were really that concerned about their defense, I don't think they they traded away Montez Sweat to the Bears. They got rid of Chase Young to the 49ers this, this season. I mean, yeah, Dan Quinn's a pretty good defensive coordinator, but you know to bring him into a team where you're just getting rid of your defense, I mean, if you really... Cared that much about the success of your defense, you probably would have kept those two guys. Now, well, well,
1: those decisions made before or after the the owner got tossed out.
0: Uh that was after because it was like mid season this year, so it was okay. already it was after the new ownership. Now,
1: maybe they I came don't... in trying to make money decisions and was like, "Holy shit, Chase yeah. Young, this much Montez Sweat, this much." Like, I don't know because I'm I'm also on the in the same boat as you. Like, why would you get rid of those guys?
0: Yeah. So he Chase it
1: away to the forty niners.
0: Yeah. So Chase Young, he they had already declined his fifth year option. So I don't really think they were planning on re signing him after this season. If you know, if anything, they probably would have franchise tagged him. And then Montez Sweat, yeah, you probably would have had to pay him, but honestly, I would have gotten rid of Chase Young because he's not really doing that well in San Francisco right now. I heard reports they were thinking about benching him or cutting his playing time just because of his performance the last couple games. So, yeah, Chase Young, I can see getting rid of. Montez Sweat, I definitely would have kept. He led your team. If I'm not mistaken, he led the commanders in sacks before he got traded, and then once he got traded to the Bears, he led them in sacks in his time there in Chicago. So, I mean, he's definitely one of the better defensive linemen in the league right now. I definitely would have kept him. Chase Young, yeah, I I could have parted ways with, but I mean, they got rid of their most of their defensive talent. I mean, you can't really have success on defense when you're just getting rid of guys left and right.
1: Yeah, well, and that's a thing, too. It's like, and I don't know. Like I said, I know there was a lot of shakeup with the, that team this year as far as owners, management, coaches, you know, all that from from the top to the bottom. I mean, yeah. so that's why it's like some of those guys that left, like Chase Young and Montez Sweat and that, it's like, was that – Money moves, or i don't I don't know why you would make that decision because I'm almost in the same boat as you like montes sweat i you I wouldn't let a guy like that go I mean, and again, chase Young, whatever, but I think he did better in Washington than what he would what he what he's doing now in forty nine ers so it's like you gotta keep a guy like that, I feel maybe I don't know,
0: yeah, I think montes sweat the decision to get rid of him was probably financial um but Chase Young, be, just because Chase Young, I mean, even when he was with the commanders, most of the time he was in, injured anyway. So I think, like I said, the Montez Sweat decision was probably financial, but I think the Chase Young decision was probably more of like a production, where he didn't produce as well as he thought he was, because he was a second or over, third overall pick when they drafted him. So, I mean, he really hasn't lived up to his potential. And now he goes to a team like San Francisco where they're stacked on defense and he's still not putting up as much production as they'd liked out of him. So, I mean, he is going into a season or an off season where he's either going to need to be franchise tagged, re-signed. And I honestly think the 49ers part ways with him after this season anyways. So, um, Which isn't a bad move for him because he has the potential to get a Super Bowl ring before he hits free agency. So, <laughs> But, I mean... The commanders, they've got a lot of work to do on both sides yeah, of the board. that's bowl.
1: why it's 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 hard because it's like, I, th- I mean, I think that Dan Quinn is, is an okay hire. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's other guys out there that, that potentially I would have made a uh, hire instead of him. You know, like Mike Vrabel or Bill Belichick, you know, guys like that. Like, yeah, you know, I, I would maybe looked into them too, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe they're trying to be a defensive-minded team there in Washington because maybe their offense they don't think is going to be all that great. I'm not sure, but
0: but it's hard to we'll see. like because we don't we don't know the conversation. Maybe they did reach out to Bill Belichick. Maybe they did reach out to Mike Vrabel. We don't know the yeah, conversations true. that were had. And you know, it's it's very possible that Vrabel and Belichick saw the the shitty situation in Washington and were was like, "No thanks, we don't want any part of that." So maybe Dan Quinn was a fall guy that just kind of, they fell back on that decision because he was the best available candidate that actually wanted the job. But I mean, we'll see. I don't expect this team. I mean, they're in a division with the Eagles, the Cowboys, um, you know, the giants might even, you know, the way they played last year at the end of this past season with their defense. I mean, they might even be better than the commanders. So I, I don't expect this team to get that much better this coming season. Um but yeah, this is definitely a rebuilding process and they're gonna to have to find their quarterback, whether that be Sam Howell or get someone in the draft.
1: Yeah, and like I said, that's gonna be that's gonna be the deciding factor, I think, going forward with this commanders team on on how they how their success is this coming season is that is that quarterback position. Yeah. And I don't know, it's gonna be I think it's gonna to be tough if even if you do get somebody from the draft, like a good uh quarterback from the draft. I mean, it's always tough bringing a quarterback in as a rookie and throwing him right in, especially a situation like that, you know, so I don't know, we'll see hopefully that if they do draft a quarterback, they don't start in his career in that season.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a tough situation to go into. Because I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure Cale Williams said he does he doesn't even want to go play there. And I know he doesn't want to play in Chicago. He's pretty much Calling his shots there and saying where he wants to go and where he doesn't want to go, and I don't know if the commanders were one of the destinations he actually wanted to go. So I don't know. It's a tough decision. It's going to be fun to watch them try to turn that team around, but I just don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm not sure.
1: And as Caleb Williams, I mean, if it's not a good look, if you're saying I don't want to play there or I don't want to play there, you know, it's
0: hmm. well, I mean. It happens. I mean, we saw that with Eli Manning. You know, he was actually drafted by the Chargers, Eli Manning, and he did not want to play there at all, which is why uh, he went to the Giants. They actually traded him after he got drafted. So, I don't know. It's Caleb Williams. I like Caleb Williams. I really do. I just – seeing him this past – if he would have entered the draft last year after last season, yeah, I think he would have been able to call his shots there. But, like, after this season – seeing games that they lost uh, that they should have won. I mean, I think his draft stock kind of went down a little bit, but I think he's definitely going to be the first quarterback taken. No question.
1: Well, it would have to be, I mean, it would have to be, uh, uh, he would have to go to Washington, right? Cause I, I don't think I, I want to just be honest. I don't think bears are bears aren't taking a quarterback.
0: I think that I, I think they're going to surprise you. I think, they're not as sold on Justin Fields as everybody thinks they are.
1: There's trade uh Oakland.
0: Maybe. I mean, and I think it's going to be, you know, either that. They're going to draft a quarterback, I think, overall, number one. But I think they're also going to try and get some good compensation for Justin Fields because, you know, like I said, I don't think they're as sold on them as on Justin Fields as everybody thinks they are. And at the same time, I think they're going to try and get their potential quarterback of the future. I mean, they got rid of their offensive coordinator, so they're definitely trying to rebuild the offense. Um, and defensively, like I said, they like we said, they got Montez Sweat, so they got one of the better defensive linemen in the league right now. So I mean, this Bears team, I think they're going to take a quarterback. Yeah, I
1: don't know. That's that's tough because I don't know. It's I. Justin Fields has in my opinion, you know, I think he grew a lot over the last two seasons. But I think that's mostly because of the next guy we're gonna talk about, Luke Getze, you know, like Yeah. But, you know, then you get rid of a guy like that. So then now it's like you, are you did you get rid of him because you're you're planning on making a move from Justin Fields, so you're like, ah right, well, this guy can go and we'll find somebody else and mold a another quarterback or whatever. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's tough to say because, you know, Justin Fields, it's not his fault either. I mean, he's played under so many coordinators since he's been in the league. Uh, he's had different head coaches. I mean, so I it's it's tough for a guy like that because Justin Fields isn't your prototypical quarterback. I mean, he's obviously more of a Lamar Jackson type where his first mindset is to run first, pass second. So I mean, he's not your standard pocket passer, and it's probably difficult for a guy like that to have to learn a new offense every single year because his coordinators keep changing. So I I think that,
1: I think it's definitely changed. I think Justin Fields has definitely grew in that passing quarterback, uh, category within the last two years under Luke Getze.
0: Yeah. And he's, I mean, definitely like the first half of this season, I would have said, yeah, get rid of Justin Fields. I want him gone. If I'm a bears fan. But the second half of the season, they were winning games. They beat the Lions. Um, you know, they beat the Vikings. There's, you know, teams that they everybody expected them to lose against. And Justin Fields did kind of turn things around there slightly in the second half. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about the whole Justin Fields t- situation because I don't know if I would want to keep him or if the progress that he showed in the second half of this past year was enough for me to want to keep him.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's tough because – You know, you look at the the last three years and it's like, I think he's definitely grown a lot as a quarterback there. But I don't know. Obviously, it's up to the Bears what the hell they want to do.
0: Yeah. All right. So after Cliff Kingsbury backed out of the offensive coordinator position for the Raiders, they have decided to hire former Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze to be their next O.C., now, like we just discussed, the Bears didn't think he was good enough to be the offensive coordinator anymore, so they fired him. And now Oakland – or I'm sorry, Las Vegas picks him up and makes him their next offensive coordinator. Uh, like this this is another hire that just not does not make sense to me because they don't have their quarterback situation figured out either. So you're going to bring in Luke Getze, who couldn't even make it work with Justin Fields, into a situation where you have Jimmy Garoppolo and Aiden O'Connell – And you know this is another team that could be trading up in the draft to get a quarterback because their pick right now, I think they're middle of the road there too because they won seven or eight games.
1: Yeah, I don't know though. See, I I, I think I might disagree with you again because you look at the the improvement from Justin Fields from Luke Getze being there in in Chicago, and it's like I think. I think the Bears have a lot of other issues other than Justin Fields, just Justin Fields. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, Their offense is so lackluster other than Justin Fields. So it's like, you know, you're trying to have Justin Fields run that offense and not saying that it's not Luke Getz's fault for game plan or, or play calling offensively. But if you look at, like, I was looking back at Justin Fields stats in 2021, he passed for 1800 yards in the season. 7 TDs and 10 interceptions. Yeah. And then Luke Getzey came in in 2022. He passed for 2,200 yards, 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. And then last year, he passed for 2,500 yards, 16 TDs, and only 9 interceptions. And it's like he only played 13 games last year. These other two were 15-game seasons. So it's like he improved that much, and it played three – less games in, in that season. So it's like, I think Luke gets as, uh, as a quarterback, like molding a quarterback. I think he can do that now running a whole offense. I don't know. I mean, he coached Rogers quarterbackly, uh, as a quarterback in, in green Bay. So I don't know. I think he's a good quarterbacks coach. So if, if they can figure out their quarterback position there in, in Oakland or Las Vegas, He might be able to mold – I wouldn't say Aiden O'Connell because I don't think he's – I don't think that guy's moldable. Not at all. But if – I mean, I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo comes around. I don't think he's –
0: Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be gone because that's – he was – as soon as Antonio Pierce took over as head coach, that was his first order of business was benching Jimmy G. So he's not a fan of his at all. The only reason Jimmy G was with the Raiders last year is because that's who Josh McDaniels wanted. So – Honestly, Jimmy G's not going to be there next year. He's he's going to be gone.
1: Yeah, I don't know what Antonio Pierce is going to do because I've seen on Pat McAfee today. He said he wants he wants to bring some swagger back to Las Vegas. Yeah, so I don't know what the hell that means, but
0: I I mean, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, if they trade it up, because you know that potentially, if you're trading Jimmy G and a draft pick, a high draft pick, like a second or third round draft pick or maybe Jimmy G and your first round pick could be enough for like a team like the bears who might want to keep Justin Fields to kind of, cause the bears have two first round picks. They have the number one overall pick from the Panthers and then they have their first round pick. Um, so they could be potentially looking to get rid of that number one overall pick if the price is right. Um, you know, and then you got other teams ahead of the Raiders, like, you know, in the top five, you got the Patriots, you got the commanders, like for the right price, with a good draft pick and Jimmy G it might be good enough for a team to get rid of their first round pick, you know, and for the Raiders to get a quarterback. So, you know, the, the motto there where Antonio Pierce says he wants to bring some swag back to Las Vegas might be the swag might be him shocking everybody and making a blockbuster trade in order to get a quarterback, because I don't think Caleb Williams is opposed to going to Las Vegas, you know, and these, the, the players that are still on the Raiders roster, they love Antonio Pierce. And, you know, like I think I've said this before, but during one of their games, their post games in the locker room, LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels was there with the Raiders. So they could even, I don't think Jaden Daniels is really going to be a top 10 pick. So he could still be there when they draft middle of this first round. So, I mean, they could make a splash. And Jaden Daniels might be the guy because I think Antonio Pierce really likes him.
1: Or what you could do is, as Las Vegas, you say, "Hey Bears, we'll give you Jimmy G, and you could have a third first round pick by taking ours, and we'll take (laughs) Justin Fields. And Luke, guess he can keep uh, keep training him up in there in Las Vegas."
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I think the Bears
1: get Jimmy Garoppolo. He could screw around while you while Caleb Williams. Learn some shit.
0: Yeah, I don't, like I said, I'm still on the fence about Justin Fields because I haven't seen, yeah, he's had, like I said, in the second half of this year, he's had some potential. Definitely turned his season around, but I don't know if I trust him enough to lead a team. And I guess if you're going to do it, I guess going to the Raiders with guys like Josh Jacobs as your running back, Devontae Adams, I mean, yeah, I guess he's got a lot of help there if they would decide that they want to bring on Justin Fields there with the Raiders. So it's, it's tough because uh, the Raiders, like I said, I don't really believe in Luke Getze. I mean, I think there was a reason why the bears fired him. I mean, if they would have thought he was the answer there, they would have kept him. Um, But maybe it's just a bad coaching decision by Matt Eberflus. I mean, I personally thought he should have been gone. He should have been fired after this season, but unfortunately he won enough games there at the end of the year for them to kind of say, Hey, yeah, we'll keep him around for another year or two. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. It's tough because
1: right now I don't I don't think I don't know, maybe they do have a plan, but I don't think Oakland or Las Vegas has a plan right now for 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 a quarterback position.
0: Right. Yeah, I don't think they I mean then they've got a few months to to play around with here. I mean, the free agency or I'm sorry, the draft starts in in April, so you got a couple months there. Free agency doesn't start till um March. So I mean, they've got some time to kind of decide what they are planning on doing. Um but honestly, I think they're going to try and make a splash and and trade up to get a a quarterback.
1: They're going to have to because, you know, I don't really know who's a decent quarterback that's on a trade block or a free agent that that Raiders would want or could use. Yeah, so you're gonna have to try and get somebody at the draft and and take a shot there. But you
0: know, you know a draft? I, just,
1: I always get so so sketched out with with quarterbacks coming out of the draft and and getting thrown into a shitty situation because, like I said, that could start and end a career for a guy if they come into a team that you know they they can barely win games. It's just, I don't know, it's tough. Because a lot of guys, you know, a lot of college kids coming out of, like, you know, USC, Cal Williams, you know, LSU, it's like a lot of those guys, you know, they're used to losing a game or two a year. You know, that's just how college is. Yeah. Then you you come into a team like, you know, Oakland or Chicago or, or, you know, look at Bryce Young in Carolina, won two games. Where on the other hand, you know, when he's playing in college, he might only lost two games, and <laughs> yeah. So it's it's always and it always I feel like you know, guys coming from the draft as a quarterback and getting thrown right into hey you're starting week one you're the starter for this team, and then you know the losses start to pile up. I really think that plays a toll on quarterback decision within the within play for themselves.
0: Yeah, and I'm a big big proponent of rookie quarterbacks even if they are first round picks just like kind of sitting for a little bit and learning the offense because you look at guys like like we said Bryce Young looked like he had no idea what the hell he was doing this year when you have a veteran quarterback like they did back up Andy Dalton I mean he couldn't have gotten any worse if putting Andy Dalton in you might have won another game or two but you didn't have a first round pick to begin with so it didn't really matter Um, but yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen Andy Dalton start maybe the first half of the season, at least to kind of get Bryce Young acclimated to that system, because it is a big transition going from the, from college to the NFL, you know, as much as, as good as a player might be, it's a huge difference. You know, defenses are faster, guys are faster in this league, you know they're not your receivers aren't open as wide as they should be you know in college you have a guy that could be open by five yards where in the nfl you have a guy that's double covered at most at best maybe open by a yard or two so it's it's a huge transition and you know i'm a big proponent of guys sitting and learning before they actually get thrown into the mix
1: yeah and it it's tough because you know you look at bryce young and it's like you think was that frank reich uh, was, he a, was he a poor coach there? And then, you know, after Frank Reich left, I feel like all hell broke loose because if you bring in your special teams guy as your head coach, as yeah. your interim head coach. It's like, so you can't tell me that a special teams coach is going to come in and be your, your new head coach and make Bryce Young the shining star. It's not going to happen. I don't care who, who you got there. It's just, it's not going to work. So I feel like, Bryce Young was dealt a horrible hand, Uh, but then you look at like a guy like Luke Getze in Las Vegas with Antonio Pierce as his first year as a head coach, they bring in a a quarterback from the draft and drafted in the first round. It's like, do they ruin that guy? I mean, you know, that's questions you got to ask because you you look at Bryce Young. I mean, not saying Bryce Young is ruined, but he didn't have a great season. Didn't look good at all. And it's, you know, it's it's I I don't know if it can get any worse for him, but like man, oh man. That's that's tough to to come in as your first season as a new quarterback and and have a season like that.
0: Yeah, it's tough because if you're especially the number 1 overall pick, I mean, you're going to let's be honest, the worst team in the NFL obviously.
1: Yeah,
0: 100%. So to throw a quarterback a quarterback in who's got to be basically running the offense, you know, the quarterback is probably one of the most important positions in all of professional sports. So for a guy that's never played professionally before, for him to come in and get thrown into a team like Carolina, it's just it's a tough situation to be in. But, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I,
1: I mean, look at the Browns. How many years did they take a quarterback in the first round, fuck that quarterback right. up? And then, God forbid, now they're not even in the league or, you know, moved on somewhere yeah. else, whatever the case. So it's like, you know, you would hope that's not a situation with Bryce Young, but it's like, again, like I said, in Carolina, I mean, they got a lot to fix. And it's like, right. hopefully they can just keep start guiding Bryce Young on the right path and, and maybe get a couple more wins. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, so I'm interested to get your take on this next topic. So the Green Bay Packers have hired Boston College head coach Jeff Hafley as their new defensive coordinator. Now, to me, this hire doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. I mean, look <laughs> at ba- look at Boston College this past season. They finished with a 7-6 and six record. They barely yeah. were eligible to play in a bowl game, and now you're going to make this guy your defensive coordinator out of every other candidate out there? It just doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, as a, as a coach for Boston College, he was twenty two and twenty six. You know, so that's not very good. No, <laughs> let's be honest. And it's like the only thing I can think of is, you know, <sighs> Green Bay's defense this last season, they it wasn't horrible. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like a complete shit show. But so maybe you're hoping that somebody can come in and just. Kind of take over the reins and keep it, you know, mediocre where it's at. I, I'm not sure, but you know they were ranked 17th this year in in total defense. Um, I don't know. I, I maybe I guess because, uh, Jeff Halfley was a good backs coach. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure because when he. Was with the Bucks so when he was with the Buccaneers as a defensive backs coach, they were tied for third in the inter- in the NFL for interceptions that season, and with Ohio State he was ranked ninth. So I don't know. Maybe they're hoping like he can help defensively there. I know as a head coach he did not do very well. So I mean his his resume on defense is is a lot better than looking at his head coaching career, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, they barely were above a fi- winning record 500 last year as Boston College in a conference that's one of the least toughest in the college football. I mean, they they're in the ACC. Uh, I mean, they they lost games against Northern Illinois. They lost to Florida State. They got blown out by Louisville. They barely beat Army. I mean, this just the schedule looking at it and they got blown out by Virginia tech and then they lost to pit got blown out by Miami. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, for me as an NFL coach, if I'm Michael Matt LaFleur, I don't even think Jeff Halfley on my radar. I mean, there's just so many other defensive, you know, coaches out there that I could have hired over this guy that would have been made more sense. And I mean, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the defense for Green Bay does worse this year than they did, even under Joe Barry
1: yeah, and that ain't good
0: <laughs> yeah that's not
1: good and it's like at this point it's like just keep Joe Barry then, you know because being ranked seventeenth yeah. in the NFL defensively you know you're middle of the pact what a, okay cool and I mean look what you did you know you, you had a you had a chance to beat the 49ers who are going to the Super Bowl. So it's like I just don't understand where their mindset was of being like, yep, Joe Barry's gotta go. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I mean, as much as I, I like have a lot of respect and starting to really come around on, on Jordan Love, uh, he's the reason why they lost that game to the 49ers. Yeah. You know, so it's like your defense kept you in, your Green Bay defense kept you in that game against the 49ers. Which is shocking to say because the whole season, everybody's like, this, this Green Bay defense, something's got to give. And it's like, yeah, it did at the end of the season and through playoffs. So it's like, I just don't know why. Why? I don't know if it was a lot of chatter on being like, Joe Barry's got to go or what, but I, I don't know. I had to give him another ride next year.
0: Yeah. And I think after that Carolina game for the Green Bay Packers at the end of the season where they – barely lost, or they barely beat the Panthers. It was like 33-30, to 30, I think. But I think after that game, I <laughs> I would have been pissed off enough to fire that guy. But then, you know, they kept him there, and he turned things around. Like you said, at the end of the season there, that game against Minnesota, they they were on fire that game. And then you come into the playoffs. You go into Dallas against a Cowboys team who was red hot at home. Embarrassed that offense. Yeah. I guess Embarrassed the Dallas, that Cowboys yeah. offense. <laughs> they were red hot at home this year to the Dallas Cowboys you know, you do very well against them. Like you said, the following week, they go to the 49ers in San Francisco. Both of these road games, by the way, go into San Francisco and, you know, only allow, I think it was 13 points there in the first half. And then, uh, you know, ultimately held them to 24 points. and they almost won that game. Like you said, it was Jordan Love made a few mistakes. They kind of lost that game for them. So I don't know, to me, If I'm Matt LaFleur, and even as a Packers fan, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, Joe Barry did enough at the end of the season there against two very good teams in order for me to say, yeah, we should probably might want to keep this guy around just to see if he can actually get us some production next year. Because to me, the Jeff Halfley hire makes no sense. He's hands down, without a doubt, worse than Joe Barry. Worst decision.
1: Yeah, I don't know. And I honestly really don't know a whole lot about Jeff Halfley, uh, I just like I said, looked up some some stats and stuff, and did some research on him, and it's like I'm just like, why? What the it, Joe Barry is? I mean, I better than this guy all day. I, I would I would assume, but hey, hopefully he proves me wrong. As a Green Bay fan, I hope this he's the best defensive quarter in the fucking league this year.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I I wouldn't hold my breath, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, now that we got finally all of the head coaching hires out of the way, every position has been filled. There are some big names still out there, unemployed, that are kind of shocking to me. I mean, just to name the two biggest ones, Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel, who are still unemployed. Who, in your mind, and if it was one of those two, who, in your mind, was the biggest surprise to not get hired this offseason?
1: I think the biggest surprise for me was Mike Vrabel. Yeah, I think because I look at Bill Belichick, and I know a lot of people are probably gonna be like, "Well, why, why, why would you not think Bill Belichick was the biggest shot?" And the only reason why I say it's not Belichick is because I think he was very picky. Yeah, you know, I, he had a lot of inter. I mean, he had interview with Atlanta. I'm sure he's had other interviews that people haven't really talked about. But it's like, I think he was ultimately the decision maker on whether he coached for that team or not. It wasn't the team, like, ah. Eh, You know, we don't want six-time Bill Belichick, Super Bowl you know, like, so I think from that aspect, I think Belichick was a a hurt to himself, not to himself, but like, he was ultimately the decision maker on whether he got a coaching job or not. Yeah. Uh, But as far as Vrabel, I think Vrabel was just, and I think he was willing to, to, to not say, I don't want to say go wherever, but I'm sure he was willing to coach wherever, honestly. And I think, Going back to uh, you know the Commanders, I'd have I'd have brought Vrabel one as my offensive coordinator if I'm Dan Quinn. Yeah, you know I think Vrabel was is, is a good offensive coach, honestly. I and you know I think he might even been a better hire as offensive coordinator for the Commanders than uh, Kingsbury. But
0: well, so, yeah, Vrabel's, so- a, Vrabel's a defensive guy. Oh. Yeah, because he, he played linebacker for the Patriots and the Chiefs. And he he's – yeah, like he would have been a good higher over Dan Quinn, I think. Because, you know, if my, honestly, Mike Vrabel, I mean, he – other than the last season Yeah, but even, seasons, with that, even with
1: that – even with – I mean, even though he's a defensive guy, I mean, in Tennessee, he really turned that offense around.
0: Yeah. As the head well, coach.
1: That's he why could I say um... offensively from that aspect. So it's like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough to say because he did the, his first couple of years there with the Titans. He really did turn that team around. He took them to an AFC Championship game with Ryan Tannehill as a starting quarterback. And now, no one's giving him the benefit of the doubt because the last two seasons, you know, they finished 7-10 in 2022, and this past year they finished 6-11. But, I mean, they have been stricken with injuries these last couple of years. So... I don't know. I think his ups, the potential and his upside for Vrabel was way more than the downside that we saw these last two seasons. So, I mean, and like we said, we don't know what the conversations were like. Maybe the commanders did interview him and offer him the position and he decided to turn it down, take a year off, and maybe possibly come back to a better situation and a different team for the 2025 season. I mean, it's tough to say. But, yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think Vrabel was probably the biggest surprise to not get hired because, yeah, Bill Belichick, he's a big name, six-time Super Bowl champion, like you said. But at the same time, he's 72 years old. you know. And like you said, if if the situation isn't right, he's not going to go into a team like that at 72 years old and want to rebuild a, a franchise. He, probably, he wants to go to a team that's already set up to win, that he can have success with, and you know, like I said, he's probably just gonna ride off into the sunset. I don't see him doing anything this year now. Do I see him coming back in twenty twenty five? Maybe. But I think Vrabel is definitely gonna be a head coach, not this coming season, but next year somewhere.
1: Well, hey, if you uh you say as uh he's defensive minded, twenty twenty five Green Bay will be looking for a defensive coordinator.
0: Hell, they might even be looking for a head coach. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I mean let's just say I mean if this defense does as poorly as we think they're going to do and they finish I mean they they it's a good chance even if the offense does play that well there's a good chance that they they lose a bunch of games and not make the playoffs and you know as as fire happy as this NFL is nowadays I mean we've seen better head coaches than Matt LaFleur lose their job over stupid situations so I mean Mike Vrabel could be uh, looking for a head coaching position somewhere in the NFC North next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think it'll be in Green Bay, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, though, I-, I think we'll see how the Bears do this year. But if they have another poor season where they don't make the playoffs, I think they're definitely going to get fired. Matt at Eberflus. And I think Mike Vrabel would, is just that tough son of a bitch that the Chicago Bears need to turn things around. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah.
1: Vikings might be looking for a head coach too soon.
0: I don't know. I like Kevin O'Connell. I mean, he had a, he had a tough situation well, I guess, this
1: year. Yeah, he got dealt a shitty hand. I understand. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Oh, who knows? Yeah, but I think I agree with you. Mike Rabel, definitely the biggest surprise to not get hired this year. Yes. All right. The Philadelphia Eagles will be hosting the NFL's first ever game in Brazil. You know, the Eagles will be playing their week one game, which will take place on Friday, September 6th in Sao Paulo, Brazil. So what is your take on these NFL international games? I know we've seen tons of London games this year and previous years. We saw some games in Germany. We've seen games in Mexico City. I think the NFL is definitely working on expanding these international series games. Um, I don't know if this is true, but I heard, heard a rumor. There's going to be a Super Bowl commercial where they tease a game in Africa, possibly in 2025. So, I mean, the NFL is definitely trying to expand outside of the United States. Um, I'm a big fan of these international games. I think it's a good idea to bring the NFL outside of the United States. I think there are a lot of countries that support American football. I mean, those London games have had huge success. They're packed stadium every time they play over there. So I'm a big fan of these.
1: Yeah, I hate it because I don't have NFL <laughs> Network, so I can't watch it. Um, but if they can put it on like ABC or something, love them.
0: Yeah. But
1: no, I I just kidding around. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just. I think maybe I'd be upset if I was the team that's you know the home team. Yeah. Because you know you you lose that home field advantage. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like one of your games out of the season. That if that's your home game, you know you lose that at, at you have that disadvantage, I guess. So that's as as a player or as a team, I that would be the hardest part for me. And then also, you know, the travel and whatnot. But I guess it's it's good for if I know I, I seen uh, Roger Goodell was trying to say about how they want to expand their league more throughout the globe and and get the NFL out globally so i mean i think it's it's good on that aspect i just uh i'm not really sure i guess i'm a little confused on what the point of it all is i mean i know you want to expand globally but i I don't know i guess that's just that's what's confusing to me
0: i think so obviously in the united states america they play a very large part on the you know the global side of things like there, we're American sports are big outside of this country. I mean, even American politics, you know, people outside of the United States follow. So I think the idea is because of that popularity, like I said, every time they have a game in London, that stadium is packed. I mean, there's fans of every NFL team in England, you know, and the games in, in Germany that that stadium was packed, the games in Mexico City that they have, those games are you know packed. So I think there is a big demand outside of the United States for NFL football. And I think they're just trying to kind of fulfill those needs of the global want for NFL football. And, you know, football is becoming bigger and bigger. I mean, in the 2028 Olympic Games, they're adding flag football to the Olympics. So, I mean, football, American football is making its way out of the United States. And I think they're just trying to Satisfy that hunger for American football in other countries.
1: I mean, I guess, but I just i I guess my biggest thing is like, where does it end? You know,
0: I don't know that it will. I mean, are you
1: are you going to try and get to every single country and like? I don't know. It's just it's next thing you know, you're going to only have a few games in the United States. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's
0: yeah. I think uh, the 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 want and the need for football outside of this country is there and I don't see like they've only have like maybe three or four games this past season outside of the country. I think they had the Germany one. They had a couple of London games and I don't, I can't remember if they had a Mexico city one this year, if that was just the previous season. I'll tell you
1: one thing though, they they picked the wrong fucking team to go to Brazil first because them, them fucking Philly fans are going to be pissed (laughs) if they missed a goddamn home game.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what the the policy is on tailgating in Brazil, but I can imagine there's probably (laughs) going to be some, some Eagles fans down there, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's the only thing that would suck because, you know, I enjoy it. If if I'm an NFL player, obviously I would want a home game because, you know, you live in the area, you don't have to travel. You just drive to work basically. So yeah,
1: now my home game that I normally go to in Philly, I'm going to, to Brazil.
0: Yeah. But I think like, a lot of those guys too, because you know it is an exotic country, Brazil. Like that is a travel destination, and they're playing in a pretty popular city. So I think it's cool for, you know, I think that a lot of these NFL players are probably going to be excited because they get to travel to a different country and they do get leisure time. They travel, they like they go down there days before the game starts. So I think they do get some time off in order to travel around. So that'll be pretty cool to see, see Brazil or see another country. But at the yeah, same I guess, time, yeah, but
1: you're not taking your whole family with you,
0: right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would definitely kind of be upset about losing a home game because you know there's a, especially in Philadelphia, there are keys to having home field advantage there.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest. I think that's the biggest down downfall of of these games is yeah. uh, you know losing that home game or or whatever the case may be. And it's like I just, I guess it's, it's hard to determine how you how do you decide that. Like if you only play. You know, X amount of games outside of the country. How do you determine? Okay, well, these teams—they're gonna these—you know—five teams that are gonna play in London, Mexico City, Brazil, whatever the case may be. Oh, well, they're gonna lose uh, a home game. Yeah, you know, that's I just seems like it's kind of slightly unfair to those those handful of teams because then everybody else still gets their same amount of home games.
0: Right. Yeah, it has its advantages and disadvantages. I mean, yeah, it
1: definitely definitely has its disadvantages and advantages to it, but I don't know. At the end of the day, I mean, it's I don't I don't really think it's uh, makes a big deal. I mean, I think it's good for marketing, I guess, for the NFL. But to yeah, it's me, a money maker. Yeah, to me, at the end of the day, I'd, I don't. I'm, not to sound rude, but I could give two shits less where the games played, just as long as <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Like, I yeah, I don't care what field it's on or where the field's located. It just, just.
0: Yeah, I mean, like it's and like I said, it's it's a big money marketing thing too. Because, like you said, it, the, a lot of the games are. I think one of the games this year was only on ESPN Plus, and like you said, a lot of the games are on NFL Network. So it is kind of a ploy. In order for people to buy these extra programs too, like
1: wow, some- and you can't tell me they're not skyrocketing the share of those prices in those stadiums because they know, hey yeah, this is one fucking game, yeah, whoever wants to come, this is the price of a ticket, and it's just astronomical,
0: yeah, yeah, it, I mean, I could imagine the game, especially the game in London, I mean they, those ticket prices are probably sky high. And you know, and uh, you know, it does ultimately come back to like a money thing. So it, yeah, yeah, they're trying to expand in other countries, which is great. But I think they wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't making them a shit ton of money.
1: Yeah, I, well, that's the thing. I think I'm going to give my uh, brunt opinion here, but I just think it's all about the money, honestly. I, yeah, I don't think they. I don't. I honestly, you know, hands down, I don't think the NFL gives two shits. About, wow, that's, that's the global NFL. Nah. <laughs> You're like, hey, oh my God. Did you see the amount of money we made in fucking London this year? Yeah. Let's move to Brazil. And, you know, that's what I think it, it all comes down to. And yeah. it is what it is. But, hey, guess I got to pay the players somehow.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next topic. we're going to talk about the pro ball games this past weekend. Now, the format is a little different. So, we're used to kind of seeing last year was the first year they did the new format. So, they do a bunch of skills, uh, you know, games. They do like a tug of war. Uh, there was even this year, which I thought was stupid, they did a Madden tournament that they got points off of, which I thought it was stupid. And then <laughs> I ultimately, I don't know. I
1: like it. It's kind of fun for the guys, I guess.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. But uh, the biggest change, obviously, is they no longer play actual football in pads and tackle guys. It's a flag football game now. Um, which I actually I I, I kind of like that change. I like the, I do like the flag football aspect of it because I think the guys actually have more fun. There's no chance of really any major injuries because they're not getting hit. You know, so I do like the flag football aspect. Which it you know flag football is a big thing in this country right now. I mean we're seeing more and more leagues being brought up. You and I both know we have played in several flag football leagues. How big the flag football desire is in this country. So it it does bring. Awareness to that aspect of the flag football, which I like, and I think I really enjoy this new uh, flag football pro format.
1: Yeah, I think the flag football—it's—I think it's nice just because it's—I don't know—it's—I it, think it's nice, better for the guys. You know, I feel like they have a lot, of, a lot more fun playing it that way than than like a legit all padded up game. And yeah, I, I think the flag football—it's a lot more fun for them. Just like when I was watching it, you could just tell the guys were just like having a ball yeah and uh not that don't care but uh i think the only downside of of the the pro ball games now is like not that i don't want to say guys don't care but they're just like you know whatever you know they're just having fun and you know like dodgeball and shit like that like i don't i don't know i think like getting selected for the pro Bowl nowadays is just kind of like okay cool
0: yeah, like we see a lot of times, like, uh, you know, Dak Prescott, he was selected to the Pro Bowl, he didn't go. Um, I think Josh Allen was, and he didn't go. So, I mean, that's why guys like Tua, Tua, got, was at the Pro Bowl this year because he was an alternate, and Gardner Minshew was there because he was an alternate. Like, I was lot, gonna they, say,
1: I was curious about that because I'm like, damn, Gardner Minshew was selected for the Pro Bowl.
0: Yeah, he was an I alternate. i not because, saying
1: that he was had a bad season or anything, but I'm just like, he was a pro ball selection. That's strange.
0: If I'm not mistaken, I think one of them was an alternate for I'm pretty sure I can't, I, can, I can't remember, but Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and maybe Patrick Mahomes. Like a couple of those guys were selected to the pro Bowl but opted out, which is why Tua and Gardner Minshew were there. Hmm, but probably,
1: um, probably Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Gardner and Tua took their spots.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you know, like you said, you, some guys just don't really care about the Pro Bowl because like, a lot of them opt out. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it's fun. I think it's fun to watch the NFL players having fun, especially when you're playing with guys who you don't normally get to play with because it's, you know, your teammates. But I mean, yeah, I really like this new format. Um, I do kind of miss the tackle, like the f- actual Pro Bowl game, though, because, you know, we saw some pretty decent stuff. I remember the Sean Taylor hit on that on the punter that one year. I mean, the, the, so there was some good good stuff from the the tackle. Yeah, he smoked over. that guy. God, yeah. damn. Yeah. So I don't yeah, know. That, I can't
1: remember who the punter was, but uh, I don't think he was getting Brad up Mormon. Months.
0: Brad Mormon. Yeah. yeah wow. I yeah. I can so, tell you
1: why he was fucking dizzy getting up. God yeah, he was, Damn.
0: He's probably like, I'm never going back to the Pro Bowl again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Like I just came but, here to pump balls and I got smoked.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I, I do miss that aspect of it, but at the same time, like I, I kind of like the, the new fun format that they have.
1: Yeah, like I said, I think it's a little bit less serious, so I think the guys enjoy it a little bit more just because they can have fun and, and screw around and, you know, laugh and, and joke. But the one thing that was weird to me was that best catch with Puka Nakua on the fucking wakeboard, and then yeah. David and Joku doing backflips into the pool. I'm I, like, uh what is this, man? What is this? That, that was a little strange to me.
0: That's how I felt about the Madden tournament, too. Because, like... Yeah,
1: that was... Yeah, I mean... It's cool that they do that, but I don't... I mean, I, I don't think you gotta take time out of the day to, to air that. You know what I mean? Like, it's Because
0: yeah. they didn't really... It didn't air the whole Madden game. It was just they did, yeah. like, a brief five-minute highlight thing. And, it, and then to they me get was, points for that, it's like, what the... F- yeah, to me, that was stupid. I didn't really care for that one.
1: But. Yeah, I like to. Uh, I like pretty much everything else. I think other than those two things were a little weird. I like to move. I really like to move the chains when the or oh, the big guys got to take the oh yeah the weights off the room. back and then pull a yeah. two thousand pound wall. Yeah, I, that's 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 cool watching. That. I like that.
0: Yeah, I do like that. Yeah, so yeah, it's fun. I do like. I kind of do like this new format. I like seeing all the skills challenges and you know the flag football game is pretty awesome too. So yeah, um, I hope they keep that for a while. All right, so let's get into our year-end awards. Now we're going to go over each of the major awards categories at who we think should win. Uh, the uh, actual awards ceremony is going to be the NFL Honors, which I believe is airing this Saturday night, the day before the Super Bowl. So the first one we're going to do here, Offensive Rookie of the Year. Who do you think is the your Offensive Rookie of the Year this season?
1: I mean, I just, there's there's no question it has to be C.J. Stroud.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely. hands down.
1: I mean, I, yeah. The only other, the only other person that would even be anywhere in contention is Puka Nakua, but you can't you can't match that up against what CJ Stroud did it with Houston this year.
0: See, I would I would disagree with the Puka Nakua. I would say, obviously, yeah, my definite number one is CJ Stroud, but I think my second, my number two for Rookie of the Year offensively would be Sam Laporta. Uh
1: yeah, okay, I can agree with that. Or I don't know. I'm not sure statistically where where he would position, but Zay Flowers, I know he was...
0: Yeah, I Zay, eh. Yeah, I I think we're both in agreement. Definitely CJ Stroud has to be your offensive yeah, rookie of the year. And then, you know, number two and three, Puka and Sam Laporta. So, all right. So defensive rookie of the year. Who do you think should be our defensive rookie of the year this season?
1: Um, see, I was a little on the fence. I was tied between two guys, but... I think, ultimately, I'm going to have to go with Will Anderson Jr.
0: I agree with that. Because
1: he played lights out on on defense. Seven sacks, 22 QB hits, 45 tackles, 10 for loss. I mean, he just always always causing a ruckus on the backfield, or whenever he was on the field. So
0: Yeah, and I know it's crazy to think, too, but they did have, the Texans did have the second and third overall picks in the draft this year because of trades. So, But it's crazy that they're probably going to have both rookies of the year on that same team. That, that is that wild is. to
1: think. I think my close second, though, I don't know if you have a second, but I don't. Know, I really, I really like the play from Jalen Carter for the I Eagles. Too, yeah, yep. I think because he had he had a pretty close stat line, a uh, little less tackles than Will Anderson, but I, I think he he played pretty well. But the Eagles didn't really use him a lot. So I think if they would have had him on the field constantly, I mean, might have had a. Uh, a better shot at defensive rookie of the year, but yeah, definitely gotta be Will Anderson jr.
0: I agree. I agree. I think Will Anderson jr. has definitely got to be that guy. All right. So offensive player of the year, who's your guy for this one?
1: Uh, it's gotta be Christian McCaffrey.
0: I, I mean, so I was torn, both of mine, then I was torn between are on the 49ers offense. I think it either has to be Christian McCaffrey, who I think is probably going to stand out or, Debo Samuel. But Debo did miss some time because of injury. So, I mean, yeah, I think Christian McCaffrey is definitely going to be the guy. But I think Debo is probably a close second for me.
1: Yeah, I think it's just crazy because I was looking at stats and Christian McCaffrey had 2,023 yards. And it's like you got quarterbacks in the lead that don't even pass for that much. Yeah. He had 21 touchdowns. I mean, and and he's just – whenever he's on the field, he's a two-way guy. In the running, passing, I mean, all over the field, like – He's the guy you got to be worried about when, when you're on the field. But then also you throw a guy in like Debo Samuel. So it's like – that's why it's it's so tough. But I think – I mean, my close second, I don't – I didn't even really look at Debo to be honest, but I
0: was thinking Tyreek. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can agree with that. I do like Tyreek. I mean, if he hadn't missed game time because of injuries, he might have been broken or been close to breaking the single season receiving yard record. So, yeah. Tyreek is pretty good, but I just think because of the weapons, you know, Debo he's another one of those guys like Christian McCaffrey on that 49ers offense where he can run the ball or you know he's phenomenal in the receiving core things. So I mean, yeah, maybe maybe a tie for second is Debo and Tyreek for me. Yeah. All right. Defensive player of the year. Who do you got for the twenty twenty three season for that one? Uh I'm gonna say TJ Watt. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I agree.
1: I mean, he led the he led the league in sacks with nineteen. Led the league with QB hits. I mean, that's just, and it's just funny because you look at, you look at the uh the Pittsburgh defense without him on the field, and it's completely different. Yeah, completely different. Yeah, I agree. And you know now, uh, he's up to ninety six and a half sacks on his career. TJ Watt, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, that is insane. I mean. So and I'm going to be a little biased here. Obviously, I think TJ Watt is going to be your defensive player of the year, but I being biased, I think my second is going to be uh Jaguars defensive lineman Josh Allen. <laughs> I mean, he played he played pretty good football this year and you know, it just sucks that they didn't make the playoffs because he did play lights out this year, but uh, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think TJ Watt's got to be your defensive player of the year. Yeah. My my see my
1: second was Miles Garrett and the only reason why I uh, put him in there or put him at second uh, was just because that Browns defense, the talent that was on that Browns defense, it wasn't it wasn't hard for him to stand like to right get a good stat sheet, you know. But a guy like TJ Watt, like I said, you know that the the Pittsburgh defense, other than him, like you know you don't really have much a whole lot of talent there. So it's like he's he basically made your defense. Whereas Miles Garrett, like you know with guys like Zadarius Smith and you know the defense that the Browns had I think that's why Miles Garrett dropped out of the picture for me was just because of that extra talent.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you said there's a lot of talent on that Cleveland defense and like you said if TJ Watt isn't on the field for Pittsburgh, that defense is completely different. Whereas if you take Miles, not saying that the Cleveland Browns wouldn't miss Miles Garrett because obviously he's probably their best defensive player. But I'm saying, oh yeah, if, for sure. If you take Miles Garrett out of that Cleveland defense, they're not going to suffer as much as as if Pittsburgh didn't have T.J. Watt. So yeah, I think T.J. Watt is definitely uh, your defensive player of the year. All right, so comeback player of the year, who do you think should be in this one?
1: <laughs> I know you're going to disagree with me, but I'm going Baker Mayfield. Okay. okay? I know you're probably like over there just screaming Joe Flacco, which I don't I don't want to disagree with you, but because I I mean Joe Flacco but the thing for me was with with not picking Joe Flacco was he only played five games. Right. Whereas Baker Mayfield played the whole season and statistically looking at it, uh Joe Flacco threw five games. He only threw thirteen TDs or yeah, he threw thirteen TDs, but he threw eight interceptions. And that's only in five games, whereas Mayfield, he was 28 TDs and only threw 10 interceptions and played yeah. the whole season. And just with what Baker Mayfield did with that Buccaneers team, when everybody thought, oh, oh Tom Brady's gone, Buccaneers are going to back down shit the bed. Yeah. And Baker Mayfield came in and, you know, and in all reality, and I know all these awards you shouldn't take into – Consideration, or you're not supposed to take into consideration playoffs. But in the playoffs, Joe Flacco completely shit the bed. That game yeah. against Houston, horrible play. Yeah. And then you look at Baker Mayfield in playoffs. It's like, okay, well, he made a few mistakes in that Lions game, but that they could they were potentially going to beat the Lions, could have made it to NFC Championship game. And I know the Eagles fell off, but you know they embarrassed the Eagles in the wild yeah. card. So I just, for me, it's got to be Baker Mayfield.
0: Okay. I mean, I can agree with that. I mean, I, I definitely was going to say Joe Flacco, but uh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with the Baker Mayfield thing. Cause like you said, he wasn't expecting to do much this year, especially after the Bucks lost Tom Brady, you know, especially the way Baker's season went last year when he was the Panthers and then got traded to the, the Rams or not traded, but he got picked up by the Rams off waivers. So, yeah, no one really expected Baker to come in here. And there was a good chance before the season even started where they were talking about not even starting him. They were talking about putting Kyle Trask in that quarterback over him. So he wasn't even expected to be the starter. He had to fight for that job, and he won it, took this team to the playoffs, won a playoff game with them, and potentially or almost won a second playoff game. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think he sold me on that. I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield for my comeback player of the year.
1: What I think, too, with the thing is you got to look at with Joe Flacco is, the, you know, the, I think offensively the Browns have a better team. You know, with Amari Cooper, David and Joko who can't, I don't think, can drop a ball. Uh, so it's like you look at that aspect of it. And I know, you know, Baker Mayfield had Mike Evans and, and whatnot, but I just think offensively, other than the quarterback position, the Browns were set up better than than what the Buccaneers were. So I don't know. Baker Mayfield
0: all day. All right. So coach of the year, I think we're both going to be in agreement on this one. But who's yeah. your coach of the year? D'Amico Ryan's. What? Yeah, gotta be. I
1: wanted to well, pick Dan Campbell, but that's. I, I wanted to pick Dan Campbell, but I I I don't know because the reason why I say D'Amico Ryan's is because he had a rookie quarterback. Coming off of a team that was 3-13 and last season in his first year as a head coach. So, let me backtrack. First year as a head coach, rookie quarterback, taking a team that went 3-13 and last year to a 10-7 and record and to the playoffs, who embarrassed the Browns and then, I mean, unfortunately got embarrassed by the Ravens, but... I mean, in 2021, Texans 4-13, 2020, 4-12. So over the last three seasons, the Texans as a team has one more win than what D'Amico Ryans has in this season.
0: Okay, I, I see your point for him as being coach of the year, but I just myself, like, I can't go against Dan Quinn. I mean, just what he did to turn this team around, like the the, the Lions are the Lions. Dan Campbell. I mean, Dan, yeah. You know, Dan Campbell is just so phenomenal as a coach. What he was able to do with this team—I mean, the Lions hadn't been uh, won a playoff game or hosted a playoff game in over thirty years—and then he comes in and takes them to the NFC Championship game. I mean, I just—you're going to be hard pressed to try to get me to vote against Dan Campbell for Coach of the Year.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I really wanted—I I honestly did want to vote for Dan Campbell, but just looking at it, like. You know, because last season, I mean, I I know the first season that Dan Campbell was there, they only had three wins. And then they improved drastically the last two seasons to being the number two seed. Or were they number three seed?
0: They were number three seed this year. Yeah, number three
1: seed this year. So it's like, you know, going from, you know, being a three-win team to being number three seed and making the NFC Championship game, like, I get it, but I don't know. I just think the, the cards that were dealt to D'Amico Ryans were a lot tougher than Dan Campbell because Dan Campbell's been with that team and slowly brought it up. D'Amico yeah. Ryans walked in the door and was like, hey, oh, you gave me a rookie quarterback? Well, let's go 10 wins and make <laughs> playoffs. You know, like it's just, yeah. I don't know, that's tough for me to go against.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see your side of things, but I'm still I'm still sticking with Dan Campbell. Well, I agree and right. disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so the big award for the night on Saturday is going to be Most Valuable Player MVP. Who do you have for the 2023 Most Valuable Player? Uh, as much as I don't want to, it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Yeah.
1: I mean, not that I – I shouldn't say I don't want to. I just – I don't know. I never was like a super huge fan of Lamar Jackson, but – I really think he's come around this season as a passing quarterback. Um and again, I know these rewards you shouldn't count playoffs, but damn. He I think he blew that MVP if they were count playoffs, he blew the MVP yeah. in playoffs, but regular season, I mean, he almost had 4000 yards passing, 24 TDs to seven interceptions with a 102.7 passer uh quarterback rating. And they were number one seed thirteen and four regular season record. Um so yeah, I just I don't know. I think and the thing with the Ravens too is they have a lot of young young talent too on their offense. So I think Lamar stepped up and helped that offense be be what they could be.
0: Yeah, so I think it's gonna be Lamar. But honestly, just because I don't know. I'm going Brock Purdy for my MVP. Ah, no yeah.
1: way. Yeah. No way, at, dude. No 40, way. I almost, completely, 100% disagree with that.
0: Almost 4,300 passing yards, 31 touchdowns. He led the league in six different passing categories. Yeah, you could okay, yeah, I know what you're going to say. He had guys like Debo. He had Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he had weapons all around him. But, I mean, you could definitely say the same thing about Lamar. I mean, he didn't have nearly as good passing statistics as Brock Purdy, even with guys like Odell Beckham, um, Save Flowers, you know, Mark Andrews for most of the year. Even when Mark Andrews went down, he had Isaiah Likely, who was a pretty good tight end. He had one of the best offensive lines in the league. He had one of the best running back backfields in the league this year. I mean, he had the weapons too. You can't bring up the for one guy and not the other.
1: Uh yeah, I don't know though. Because I, I guess I'd have to see the numbers on, on on yards after catch because Brock Purdy, he's he's given a one yard screen to Debo Samuel. He's taken it ninety nine <laughs> yards. There's your passing. So you got a you got a ninety nine yard touchdown pass that you threw the ball one yard. I don't know. I'm just saying.
0: So to answer your question, um He's – Brock Purdy set the record for yards per attempt this year with 9.9 yards per attempt. So they're not all dink and dunk passes. He's actually getting the ball downfield. I mean, you could – I watched his highlight tape from this year. There's plenty of uh, passes where he's thrown it downfield, not just to Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, he's a good quarterback. He is. Yeah, he's got a lot of talent around him. But, I mean, the position of quarterback is sometimes – you know what you make of it and Brock Purdy is really taking this position here in San Francisco and making the best out of it. Yeah,
1: I'm saying he's a, he's a far away second. But uh <laughs> I don't know. you start picking some some of them pieces out, some of that offensive pieces out. I don't know. I just don't think he's I don't know. I guess I got I got to look at their lineup of of who they play and like their t- toughness of their schedule. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what when they met that Baltimore defense, holy hell. He looked like he didn't even know what he was doing on the field.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's certain situations, yeah, but you I mean, could he say, I mean. four
1: interceptions. And what, he the, fumbled twice that game, I think? They had like six <laughs> turnovers.
0: Yeah, I mean, he that game, yeah, he didn't look that great. But I'm not judging it off of one game. I mean, there were plenty of games this year where Baltimore didn't look that great. They lost to the Steelers, for Christ's sake. But, I mean. You can't. Overall, I'm oh. looking at the I'm looking at the entire season as a whole. Brock Purdy statistically did better than Lamar. Um, you know they're actually playing in the Super Bowl. I know we're not supposed to base it off a of postseason, but I'm definitely basing it off of the entire season. I think it's a crock of shit. <laughs> All right, so let's go over the Super Bowl matchup quickly give our predictions so super bowl 58 is going to be this sunday at 6 30 the game starts that is going to be between the kansas city chiefs and the san francisco 49ers now this is so we look at the the postseason matchups from you know each of these teams the san francisco 49ers beat the packers by three points they beat the lions by three points you know other than kansas city against the, the dolphins you know they only beat the Bills by three points. And then they came in last week to Baltimore and beat the Ravens by a touchdown. So all of their games were pretty close. Um, So I'm expecting this game to be pretty damn close. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the 49ers are, as of right now, one and a half point favorites. So that could change before Sunday. Like I said, it's Tuesday night now that we're recording this podcast. You know, Sunday is five days away. So that that over, under, and the, the point spread on this game could change. But as of right now, the 49ers are one and a half point favorites. And I don't know. I tossed and turned with this one for quite some time, but I honestly think if I'm going pound for pound for talent, I'm gonna go with the San Francisco 49ers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. It's gonna to be tough. I think what's what the ultimate what the deciding factor is gonna be is what defense plays stronger. Right. Because both of these offenses I think are are pretty well matched. Uh but I think it's, like I said, it's going to come down to whose defense outlasts the other team's offense. That's, that's yep. the biggest thing. And at this point now, I don't know, it's hard because, you know, you, you take me back to, you know, the ending of the season with the chiefs defense. I'm like, Oh man, definitely 49ers, hundred percent. But the last few weeks, you know, these playoff games, the chiefs defense has really stepped it up and, and they've played lights out. Uh, especially against the team the Baltimore team that everybody thought was that that game wasn't going to even be close. Um, so I, I think the biggest part is, is going to be defensively who, who, which defense can step up All right. the most and who's going to make the first mistake, I guess. But I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I do want to say the 49ers. I think it's going to be the 49ers, but I don't know. i I, and I want to I don't want to go, keep going back but you know that game against the 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 Ravens that the 49ers played you know like I said how they embarrassed Brock Purdy well if if the Chiefs can get any sort of pressure and and you know come at Brock Purdy like that I don't know does he does he make them mistakes again and and, and really fall off uh that would be the, the biggest question so I think if you can get if you can keep Christian McCaffrey under wraps as the Chiefs' defense, and you know, get after Brock Purdy, I think you got a pretty good chance of winning that game. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm I'm torn. I don't know. I'm mixed because I, I kind of feel like the Chiefs will win, but I really don't want the Chiefs to win just because any team that Mahomes plays on the rest of his career, I'm rooting against.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and ultimately, I think that's going to be the determining factor is Brock Purdy. Uh, you know, they're ultimately going to succeed or crash and burn with his success or failure. Because, like you said, in games where he played piss poor, they lost big. But in games where he has a lot of success, they win big. So, I mean, and last week against the Lions, or not last week, but two weeks ago against the Lions, we saw Brock Purdy made some pretty big plays where, you know, he scrambled and picked up first downs when they needed to actually you know, get into range to score a touchdown or kick the field goals. Um, You know, so yeah, if this rate or if this chief's defense gets to Brock Purdy, because they can shut down Christian McCaffrey, but then, you know, they can still have success in the passing game with Debo's Samuel, with Brandon Iuke, with George Kittle. So, I mean, the ultimate factor here for success or failure for this 49ers team is going to be whether or not this Kansas city defense can rattle Brock Purdy.
1: Yeah. And that's a, I, and that's one of the things, too, like uh, that I'll give Brock Purdy is that game against the Lions. You know, he really I think he really changed his play style because that game against the Ravens where they got after him, he was just throwing the ball. Right. Whereas whereas that game against the Lions, you know, they were getting after him. But, you know, he saw green grass and he rolled out. and that, That's yeah. where I think he grew a lot based off of that, that really, really poor outing against the Ravens. Uh, and then against the lions is making quicker decisions on okay should i stay here and just throw a ball or or get out and, and get what i can and if he can do that like even if the chiefs get get pressure on him if he can make a, either a quick decision quick pass or get out and and get even you know 5 yards if he can do that rather than taking a sack or, or throwing a poor pass i don't know i think the, the that that that'll help them a lot so, I don't know. I I got mixed emotions. I yeah. want the 49ers to win just because I I I want to root against Mahomes, but <laughs> I don't I don't really want the 49ers to win either. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and I think in this one like you got to root for the underdog. You got to root for Brock Purdy. I mean, Mr. Irrelevant, the very last pick of the draft. I mean, no one expected when he got came in last year because of injuries to Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, no one expected him to do anything. And, and, you know, ultimately he won every game, except for that NFC championship game, they lost to the Eagles last year. So yeah, he is doing way better than expected. Like I said, he's the definite, you know, the definition of underdog, um, you know, and you have to, you have to root for the guy, you know, especially yeah. against a team with Patrick with crybabies like Patrick Mahomes and even Travis Kelsey, I'm starting to kind of dislike now because of this whole Taylor Swift thing. So, I mean, I just hope, um, the 49ers come out ready to win and you know you're coming over for the super bowl on sunday i'm gonna play a little drinking game with myself or i'm gonna take a shot every time they show taylor swift on this on the tv so that's that aspect is it's just i'm just so sick and tired of the taylor swift travis kelsey thing this year and i'm i I know i just know because it's the super bowl they're gonna play it up and try to capitalize off of it
1: yeah i mean i uh i really like travis Kelsey. Uh, I'm not going to speak of his girlfriend. Uh, it's not worth my time. But uh, yeah, I like Travis Kelsey. So that's like one of the biggest things with why uh, why like that. That's mainly the reason why I would uh, root for the Chiefs. But I, don't, I just don't know. I can't get over the fact of of how how much I dislike Patrick Mahomes now after that that Bills game. I just like yeah. I, I just I never seen somebody act. So so ignorant before my life
0: yeah, it's, and I, yeah I
1: lost any respect that I did have for him or any likeness that I did have for him gone
0: yeah yeah I agree I mean I think that just the way he, like you said the way he acted after that Bills game when it was a blatant penalty obviously Kadarius yeah. was off sides and then to, to go up to Josh Allen after the game and not even congratulate him just bitch about the call was just asinine yeah so yeah, I'm. A, I, I mean, and I, I mean, obviously, I'm rooting for the 49ers because of the underdog story, but then I'm also rooting for them because of that aspect as well. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: you know, it's just I don't know. Like I said, I just I can't stand my homes anymore, and and that would be the main reason why I don't root for the Chiefs. But and they already they won last year, so nobody wants yeah. to see them go back to back. Nobody gives a yeah. shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm rooting for the 49ers. Hopefully, they win. Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for another edition of Late Hit with Tyler and Jeremy. We're going to wrap things up this week. Don't forget to listen and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Late Hit Pro Football Radio. We are on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now, at Late Hit PFR, and I am at T underscore Luddy. Uh, we'll join you guys again next week after the Super Bowl. We'll go over who actually won the awards from the NFL Honors, and then we will go over the game, Super Bowl 58, the winners, and your Super Bowl MVP. But thanks for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to listen to us and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and we will talk to you all guys next week.
1: Yep, appreciate the listen, guys. Take care. All right.